Children's Church. While they're being dismissed, I'll just mention a couple announcements. Anthony, we're still doing the ice cream social tonight. Yeah, I believe it is. Uh, we're continuing our series. I think Pastor Richard, I got a chance to catch most of the sermon online last week. Uh, before I kind of got out of coverage, I was on my phone and I got to watch it last Sunday. I was up in uh, Montana um, and uh, at a wrestling camp all week with over 300 plus wrestlers and then made the 13 hour drive back yesterday. I knew when I got out of the car I was in Cedar City because I about got blown over. And so I knew I was home. That's how you know you're home. And uh, I'm, I, I was so thankful for the wind because I knew I was home. And so what a blessing. Thank you for your prayers. It was a good experience. It was a great time, and, and the Lord kept us safe. And so we thank the Lord for that. I know last week, uh, and you'll see here in a moment, uh, Pastor Richard may have even read a portion of this scripture or maybe mentioned this uh, passage in passing. But I'd like to look at Ephesians Chapter 5, or 4, I'm sorry, 25 through 30, and uh, we'll have it here for you as well, um, and kind of pick up where he left off. As we're doing and continuing our series on the Holy Spirit and the purposes of the Holy Spirit, notice uh, what Paul says. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And notice this, and do not give the devil a foothold. Boy, that's a whole lot of good preaching, but that's not really what we're going to be speaking about. But he says this, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work uh, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let... Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Notice this, for building others up according to their needs, that it may be a benefit to those who listen. And this is the key verse, but I wanted to kind of read the context. He says this, and do not, notice this command, and do not grieve or quench the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Last week, Pastor Richard spoke a tremendous message. Wasn't that a blessing? Those of you that were here, a tremendous message on all the things that the Spirit did the moment you accepted Christ. But one of the ones he really spent most time on was that here in this passage it says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Aren't you thankful that it's God holding on to us and not us trying to hang on to God? Because if it were up to me, I'm going to tell you I, I'm a mess. Amen? You know, and I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, I'm reminded of just an illustration in the Bible of Noah and the ark. And Noah and his family, as they were in the ark, I want you to understand this illustration, but I think it's beautiful, is the Bible says that they took pitch, that God commanded them to take pitch, and it says that they sealed the ark. And I think it's a, a really good illustration of the picture of salvation, is because the Bible says that when they went into the ark, it says that God closed the door on the ark. And God sealed them there. And they were safe and they were secure within that ark of salvation. And that ark is a beautiful picture of, of salvation. And for you and I, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? 
you know, isn't it a beautiful thing that is known as family or in that ark? That ark was sealed. Now, obviously, it was sealed with the pitch. But let's be reminded, it was God's hand of protection. It was God that was holding on to that ark. And God sealed that ark. And no harm came to them. And they were delivered from that wrath, from the wrath of God. They were delivered from that destruction. You know, aren't you thankful that God didn't say the known his family? Now build the ark. And after you build the ark, what I want you to do is I want you to put some pegs on the outside of the ark. Put a few pegs. And then once you put those pegs on the ark, what I want you to do is hold on to the ark as hard as you can. And when the storms come, when the rain comes, when the floods come, it's your duty to hold on as hard as you can. Now, I do a lot of grip training, but let me tell you, they were on that ark for well over a year. Did you know that? And you know that it rained and stormed and the fountains of the deep broke up and the heavens opened up. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the the rain came upon it. I'm going to tell you something. There's no way you can hang on to the pegs of that ark. Are you with me? You see, understand this. It is the Holy Spirit that seals you and I. Has nothing to do with what we do. We cannot earn salvation. There's nothing we can do to obtain it. And we can't earn it. But it's sad as so many people believe that Jesus is our Savior. That he paid the down payment. But that's us up to us to keep up the payments. We have nothing to keep the payments up with. Amen. He, he seals us. The Holy Spirit seals us. We are eternally secure Because the Spirit seals us, the Bible says, until the day of redemption. And so the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to seal us. And he he holds us eternally secure in the hands of an almighty God. But I want you to notice there's something else that we want to look at, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And, And what we see here is this, that the Holy Spirit has feelings. We've mentioned this earlier in this series is that we can quench the Spirit and we can grieve the Spirit. And I want to take a few moments, just for a few minutes this morning, and I'll also cover another aspect of the Holy Spirit in a Christian life. And this is so huge. It is so important. But the Holy Spirit convicts us. He convicts us. And boy, this is really powerful. <laughs> because the Bible says here that when... He gives us a list. He says, don't do these things. And we're not going to go through and preach that whole list. But he says, you know... Don't lie and and don't steal and and be careful the things that you say and how you you speak and and don't allow anger and bitterness and all these things, he says, because you're going to give the devil a foothold. But then he says this in that verse 30, he says, because you're going to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, when we grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has feelings. The Spirit of God dwells within us. And the things that we say and the things that we do and how we live our lives now as a follower of Christ, we now have a God consciousness within us. Does this make sense? This is so important. Please understand this. Because as Richard said last week, it was instantaneous. The moment you accepted Christ, the Spirit of God came and dwelled within you. That light goes on. And now you have within you the very Spirit of the living God. And it's what I call a God consciousness. It's one of these things where, like, you know, maybe you did something before and you kind of, you feel a little guilty, but you're like, eh, no big deal. But when you are a believer and a follower in Christ, all of a sudden when you do something, you feel even more, we, we might use the term guilty. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I, is this making sense? You're like, boy, that didn't bother me as much before. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. Are you with me? You know what I mean? 
It's kind of a blessing and a curse. Before, you're like, boy, I did that. La-. You know, I used to do that, and it didn't really. Now I do it, and man, I just don't, just don't feel so. I don't know. Here's the here's thing. This is a beautiful thing. That is proof and evidence that you are a child of God because you have his Holy Spirit living inside of you. And now his spirit is speaking to you and talking to you and moving and working in your life. And sometimes it's not a bad thing. This is a good thing. He makes you feel guilty. He convicts you. He points things out in your life. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19, I believe it is. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. Notice this. You know, a lot of times, so think about this. The previous thing that we read, he says, there's lots of things that we really shouldn't be doing. And when, we, when, when we're not, when we're doing these things that we shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit is going to get our attention. You tell that lie, the Holy Spirit is going to get your attention. Before you felt, eh, I probably shouldn't have lied. When you have the Holy Spirit now, it's like, ugh, I lied. And then it just eats away at you, right? You know, and you just feel that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing. Notice what he says. Now there's some things, Paul says, there's some, some things we should be doing as believers, as, as followers of Christ. And when we don't do them, again, we can also offend or hurt the Holy Spirit. Notice this. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And notice what he says, do not quench the Spirit. Notice there's a list of things here. He says, hey, if you're doing these things, the opposite happens. If you're rejoicing always and you're praying continually and you're appreciative and you're giving thanks in all circumstances, you know what happens? You're actually fanning the flame of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're feeding the Spirit of God that dwells within you. The Holy Spirit is alive and dwells within us. And so as we rejoice, as we pray, continue, give thanks in all circumstances, he says, you know what you're doing? You're fanning the flame. But if we don't do these things, if we're not doing these things, you want to know something? We are quenching the Holy Spirit. It's a fire. When you have a fire, the more you feed the flames, the more that that flame grows. You know what's interesting? Have you ever thought about this? Now, other than like a major forest fire, but whenever you make a fire, have you ever noticed if you do nothing, what eventually starts to happen to that fire? It kind of starts to die down, doesn't it? You see, in our spiritual lives, this is why it's so important. By the way, it's why it's great that you're in church today because you know what you're doing? You're feeding the flame of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Amen? When you worship and you hear these songs and you take a few minutes out of your busy life to just worship God and honor God and glorify Him, you're feeding the flame of the Holy Spirit. He says, but when you're not doing these things, you begin to quench the Holy Spirit. And as you quench that Spirit, it's like a wet blanket on the Spirit of God that's wanting to move and work in our lives. And when we quench that Spirit, the Holy Spirit will let us know. The Holy Spirit will let us know. It's an awesome thing. He will convict us. I'm moving pretty quickly because you guys are listening quickly. I love it when you listen quickly. Sometimes, you know, when it goes really long, it's not our fault. It's because you're not listening quickly. So if the sermon is just too long and you don't like it, it's your fault. Do you understand that? Because you weren't listening quickly. But when you listen quickly, we can preach quickly. And you're doing amazing. Amen? You like that. Amen? I like that too. So Romans chapter 8. Now, please, this is so huge. So huge, like mind-blowing, boom, huge. 
Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now, the Holy Spirit convicts us. And we'll look at this passage and one other passage. The Holy Spirit, one of the purposes in our life is to convict us. But I'm about to say something that is so powerful. And you might be just like, oh, no big deal. But no, this is so powerful. In the life of a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ and you are under the blood as we celebrated communion this morning, when you're under the blood of Jesus Christ, I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit does not condemn you but he convicts you. That is a big difference. Amen? Aren't you thankful that the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, right there in the very first verse, Paul says that therefore there is now no, there, say it with me, no, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Woo, praise the Lord. The Spirit of God when we sin and when we fail him does not condemn us, but he will convict us. This is bearing witness. But aren't you thankful there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus? That is a beautiful thing. In Romans chapter 7, we're not going to turn there and read there, but in Romans 7, Paul speaks of this thing. Paul says, he goes through this, this beautiful letter, but he says in Romans 7, he says that we were, we were a fleshly person, and we were human, and we are human. We have humanity. But he says the moment, as you read that passage, he says when you've come to Christ, he says something else happens. The Spirit of God now dwells within you. In Romans 7, Paul speaks of his own struggles that he goes through. And he says, he says in Romans 7, I have two natures going at, at war, going at battle. He said there are two natures. There's a war that is going on within himself. And by the way, that same war is going on within you as well. He says there is this, the spirit of the flesh and, and, and humanity and, our, and our, just our own sinful desires and pleasures. And he says, but also there is that, that spiritual desire to please God. And he says, in essence, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit, between these two, two identities that are dwelling within us. That, and by the way, can I say this? The moment you accepted Christ, you were saved. Okay, the Bible says you're sanctified. You were set apart. And you were set apart from the wrath of God. Thank God for that. Amen? You were set apart. But let me just say this. It says you're sanctified. You're set apart. But let me remind you of something. Your flesh, your flesh is still as just as powerful as it was before you accepted Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now, the difference is When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you now have the Holy Spirit who has given you the power to overcome the flesh. But that flesh is still there. Let me illustrate it like this. If I had certain struggles or certain strongholds or if I had certain, all of us have our issues. Are you with me? And if I had certain things that were really strongholds in my life, can I say this? The moment I accepted Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? Those strongholds are still there. But when I accept the Lord Jesus Christ, I now have a new power dwelling within me. That's the spirit of the living God who can, if I submit to him and yield to him and listen to him. And when he convicts me, I listen and I and I say, "Okay, I have the ability and the power to overcome those addictions and strongholds and and areas that the Satan had in my life. Amen? Does this make sense? 
And so in Romans 7, he says, you have this struggle that's going on. And Paul struggled with it. And he says, the things that I, and can you relate to this? Paul says in Romans 7, the things that I wish that I would do, I end up not doing. Ever do that? You know? He says, the things that I wish that I wouldn't do and the things that I despise and the things that I hate, he says, I end up doing it. And he says, but within me, there's this war, there's this battle, there's this struggle, there's these two natures at war. But he says, when I yield to the spirit, I get victory over those areas. But this is what I love. In Romans 7, he says, he says, oh, almost the end of that chapter, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. I am a sinful, wretched man. By the way, we should all see ourselves as wretched, sinful people because we are. But we have a wonderful, loving Savior. Amen. And so Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. I had this battle and this struggle, and it's this good versus evil, flesh versus spirit. But then I love what he says in Romans 8. Here we go. He says, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So before I move on and before we say anything else, just want to remind you of, it was when we say that the Holy Spirit convicts us, that is true. But the Holy Spirit does not condemn us. He does not condemn you. Are you thankful for that? So he says this, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh. How should we live? But according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is what? It's life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile and hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. You see, our flesh cannot, has no desire to please God. It doesn't. But notice this, but those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. It cannot happen. Our flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so if you have the, the, the spirit of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you are Christ's. Amen. And there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And when we are in Christ, we have his spirit and his spirit enables us and empowers us to live a Christian life. Are you with me this morning? And so what happens is my flesh has no desire has no desire to seek God. I'll be honest. When the alarm goes off in the morning, my, that annoying little alarm on my phone, you know, and it goes off, I don't wake up and I'm, I'll be honest. My flesh does not go, I'm going to serve Jesus today. My flesh does not say that whatsoever. I'll be honest. After a 13 hour drive yesterday and I got home, you know, and I was like, oh man, tomorrow's church. My flesh was saying, you don't want to go to church. 
But my spirit was like, man, I miss church. My spirit was like, I got to go to church. And I had this, there's a war. Hey, I'm just being real. Come on now. It's all right to be honest in church. I promise you, most of you did not wake like, it's Sunday. A lot of you probably went, it's Sunday. Come on. It's been a long week. You're like, it's Sunday. And your flesh says, sleep in. Sleep in. It's so nice and cozy in here. Amen. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're on the worship team. Dude, you were up here so early. You, your whole family. They packed. You know what? I guarantee you, you wanted to stay in bed, brother. But you know what? You listened to the Spirit. And you were a, you were a blessing to us this morning. <laughs> right? You and your wife, your family was a blessing. And yes, you were, I got here real early too. And their kids are in the nursery and they're up here practicing so that they could be a blessing. You know what? They listen to the spirit, but the flesh says, I want to stay in bed. Come on now. We're just being real. My flesh sometimes says, I don't want to read my Bible. My flesh says, I don't want to pray. And you have to say, shut up, flesh. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, you might not, go to hell, flesh. Seriously, literally, you know what I'm saying? Go. I'm going to listen to the Spirit. Come on now, seriously. And I'm going to listen to the Spirit. Because the Spirit knows what I need. And when I'm not doing and listening to the Spirit, you know what I do? I quench the Spirit. I grieve the Spirit. I offend the Spirit. But that Holy Spirit keeps, there's just this, it's a, it's a conviction. It's not a condemning. It's not a condemning, but it's this conviction. It's this convicting. It's this, this little nagging. Are you with me this morning? And he says, hey. And are we willing to submit to that Holy Spirit? And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit does it because he loves us. The Holy Spirit does it because he wants us to have fellowship with the Father. The Holy Spirit does it because as we read there, he wants us to have peace in our life. And without the Holy Spirit, there is not peace. One last passage, look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. This is where the Lord Jesus is speaking to the seven churches, and it's the very last church. Many people would say that we live in this age. We would call them the church ages, Revelation 3. But uh, this is a whole other study, but I just want you to notice something that's interesting. Notice what it says. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these are the words of the amen, that's the Lord Jesus, amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, that's Jesus Christ. That's what he says, I know your deeds. Does the Lord know your deeds? Can you hide anything from him? The Bible says, I am the Lord your God, you know, and you can hide nothing from me. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, Proverbs says, Solomon says, beholding the evil and the good. He says, I know your deeds, he says to this church, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. He says, because you're lukewarm. He says, neither hot or cold, I'm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is pretty strong words. But notice what happens here. He's, this is what he says. He knows the, the heart of the church. He knows this church. And he says this, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor and blind and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich. Notice this white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. They were delusional. They could not see. Notice this. He says, to whom? He says, those whom I love. Notice this. Because he loves us, catch this. I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. Here's the Lord Jesus standing at the door of the church. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. But notice this, is, notice this phrase. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the, can you say it with me? What's the next word? Spirit says to the churches. So as Jesus is speaking, understand this. Jesus, he says, I see everything. I see your deeds. And he says, I know what you're really like. By the way, he knows what we're really like. We can't fool him. He says, I know what you're really like. He says to this church, I know what you're really like. He says, and you're delusional. You're, 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 you, need, you need to pray for, for spiritual eyesight to see what you really are. And he says, you need to repent. And he, and he, and he says, I love you and I'm going to rebuke you and I'm going to chasten you and I'm going to try to get your attention. The idea is this, there's conviction. He's going to convict this church. And he says, you know, you're, you are, you're delusional. You think that you are something that you're not. You think you're spiritual, but you're not. You think you're right with me, but you're not right with me. And, and what does he do? He says, because I love you, I'm going to rebuke you. Because I love you, I'm going to confront you. Because I love you, I'm going to re- try to reveal to you where you're at. And here's the key. The key is this. In every single situation here, when he speaks to the church, he says it's the spirit that speaks to the church. Isn't it interesting? Even though it's Jesus confronting them, how does he confront us? How did he confront the church? And by the way, who is the church? You and I. We are the church. We are his body. A follower of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to confront you through the Spirit. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And so the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He will convict us. He will convince us and show us and point out the areas in our lives. When we say something, the Spirit's going to prick our heart. It's going to happen. But what are we going to do with it? When we do something that maybe we know we shouldn't do, or when, we, when we're, there's things we should be doing and we're not doing, the Holy Spirit's going to say, give that nudge. And here's the thing, it's up to us. He says, Jesus says, I'm at the door knocking. Isn't that interesting? I'm knocking. It's up to you to open the door. He's not going to... Remember we said the Holy Spirit is like a dove, right? Peaceful, gentle. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman will not force his way into our lives. If you, you know what I'm saying? He's not going to force us to do anything. There has to be a, a willful submission to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves, when the Holy Spirit speaks, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, when the Holy Spirit nudges our hearts, that still small voice that we talked about prior, are we listening? Are we listening? He says to his church, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. 
I'm knocking at the door. He says, if you would just open up the door, then we could have this fellowship. The Holy Spirit is in our lives to convict us in the areas that we need convicted. Amen? To point out our shortcomings, to point out our weaknesses, to point out areas that we're, we're failing. But here's the beautiful thing. Okay, you got this? Did, did Jesus, did Christ the Lord love this church? Yes. He says, I love you. I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to confront you. And he loved that church. But he didn't condemn the church. Amen? He does not condemn us, but he does convict us. It's up to you and I on how we respond when the Holy Spirit convicts us. When we, when we mess up, are we quick to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I get it. Okay, Holy Spirit. Here's the scary thing is the more we, we shut the Holy Spirit out, the more we quench the Holy Spirit. And the more we grieve the Holy Spirit. We'll never lose the Holy Spirit. Amen? But it's a pretty scary thing. Is I think for a lot of Christians, the Holy Spirit is nothing more than a smolder when the Lord wants it to be a fire. Amen? A fire. And it's so sad that many Christians are living the Christian life content with a smolder when they could have the fire of the Holy Spirit that brings that warmth and that comfort that brings that peace. And so really, it's, it's the balls in our court. We have this beautiful thing. We have the Holy Spirit. But it's what are we going to do when the Holy Spirit speaks? What are we going to do when the Holy Spirit tells us and convicts us? Are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit and yield to Him? I tell you this, if you listen to the Holy Spirit and yield to the Holy Spirit when He convicts you, and you do what the Bible says there, you just repent and say, I'm sorry, and forgive me, I'm going to tell you something. That's when the Holy Spirit, that fire, begins to come alive. Amen? And we take that wet blanket off the Holy Spirit, and it's no longer a little smolder. Before long, we have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning within us. Whew, how awesome that is. Amen? And then we're in tune with our Heavenly Father. So one of the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict us, not because God is angry or mad and He wants to condemn us, but he convicts us because he wants us to have this sweet fellowship with him. Amen. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you.